hear from Danny and Leanne and Adam and Barry as we look at a whole range of practical and spiritual issues that are just as relevant to our lives today as they were to the people who first received these messages. If you're new to faith, or maybe you're not a follower of Jesus at all yet, there are a couple of things we need to do just to build the background before we proceed. See, the book of Proverbs sits roughly in the middle of the Bible, and if you were to open a printed copy of the Bible, there's every chance that you would land in one of the collection of books that are known as the wisdom literature. These books are called Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes and Song of Songs. And if you landed in Proverbs, you'd find that it has 31 chapters and it's, uh, it's just one for, for each day of the month. And in this book, we find wisdom and teaching on the most common and the most important aspects of daily life. And it's this book that we're going to spend time studying during this series. In fact, if you set aside time to read one chapter a day, you'll get through all of Proverbs twice before we finish this series. You need to know that the key contributing author to Proverbs was a fellow by the name of King Solomon. He was Israel's second king. He also wrote Ecclesiastes and Song of Songs in that collection of books. And you may be inclined to ask how someone would come to be the main author across this wisdom literature. And we need to have a look at that. So shortly after Solomon became king of Israel as a young person, God appeared to him. And we have this conversation that God had with him recorded in 1 Kings 3, verses 4 to 12. It says this, At Gibeon the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream, and God said, Ask me for whatever you want, and I'll give it to you. So Solomon answered, You've shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. You have continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son, being himself, to sit on the throne this very day. And listen to this. Now, Lord my God, you've made your servant king in place of my father David, but I'm only a little child and do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to count or number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. So God said to him, Since you have asked for this, and not for long life, and not for wealth for yourself, nor have you asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment in administering justice, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. No wonder Solomon was renowned for his wisdom. It wasn't his, it was supernatural. God gave it to him. His life didn't match it always. 1 Kings chapter 11 might be something you read later today. But his capacity to understand and to see right through to the heart of things was supernatural. We see his humility as he sets out to lead the nation. He could have asked God for anything, but he asked for wisdom. 
And God gave it to him in dramatic fashion, adding that no one before him or after him would have the same wisdom or discernment. And God is offering us some of that wisdom through the words that he's recorded in Proverbs through people like Solomon. And I wonder this morning if we're ready to hear that. So let's begin. Proverbs chapter 1. So the book begins this way, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behaviour, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning and let the discerning get guidance. For understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So this introduction speaks for itself and it calls us to listen and to act. This series will be one that calls us to consider our lives and examine the way we're living. As we read Proverbs, we're introduced to a large number of characters, probably too many to uh, go through today. In fact, if it were a movie, there'd be a cast of over 20 characters. We'd see characters such as the the young, the lazy, the blameless, the wicked, the righteous, the violent, the prostitute, the scoundrel, the villain, the adulteress, the sinner and more. But there are six lead characters and I'd like to introduce you to them this morning. The first of the main characters over here is called Simple. And Simple makes their appearance uh, early on in the book. In fact, they make 14 appearances throughout Proverbs. And the Hebrew word translated for Simple denotes a person who is gullible, without moral direction and inclined towards evil. When we watch the simple play their role in Proverbs, we see someone who lacks judgment. In fact, we see someone who's unaware of any moral code or any need for one, and they always seem to end up doing what is wrong. Life may be easier this way. No need to consider what's right or wrong. Just live life based on what's in front of them. We see the simple being dragged into sin seemingly without knowing it. They're dragged into lust and destruction. They inherit folly, believe anything and often ignore danger. The simple are exhorted to learn from the wise. But they don't and their destiny is short-term pleasure followed by death. Little knowing that their actions will cost them their very lives. And simple's co-star is the fool... There he is. While the simple seems to... Sorry. The fool makes over 60 appearances. He's got more of a leading role. The Hebrew word rendered for fool refers to someone who's morally deficient. Where the simple seems to lack an understanding of the moral code, the fool understands that there is one, but they choose not to follow it. For the fool, it's easier and more enjoyable to follow their senses and indulge in pleasure, to live for the moment and enjoy life, regardless of whether their actions are right or wrong. 
We see the fool who is predisposed to folly, to doing stupid things, to not considering consequences and not prepared to make amends when they do. They despise wisdom and instruction. They're complacent. They find pleasure in wicked schemes. They show their annoyance quickly and have no emotional control. They find, find no pleasure in understanding, but they love to espouse their own thoughts. Their actions come with consequences and we see them invite ruin and they die for lack of sense. And yet they detest turning from evil. And the last of our first set of characters is the mocker. Proverbs 21-24 describes the mocker as a proud and arrogant person who, believe, who behaves with insolent fury. The mocker makes 16 appearances in Proverbs and they have bit roles in Hosea, Jeremiah, Isaiah, Psalms and also in Job. They've got a good agent who gets them a variety of work. The mocker not only knows that there is a moral code, not only do they not follow it, but they rage against it. They insult and ridicule those who follow the code and they work actively against it. We see the mocker delight in their arrogance and pride, refuse to respond to rebuke or correction and fail to find wisdom. They avoid those who have it and they stir up trouble. In the end, they suffer too. And when they're removed, we're told, quarrels and insults are eliminated. It's rather a sad assessment for these three, isn't it? And yet it doesn't take much to look around or maybe to look inside and see that these characters are still very much at play today. And they have certain things in common. They live lives that are in conflict to God to how God intended them to live and this ultimately leads to damage to themselves and to those around them. Proverbs also introduces us to three other key characters, to the wise, to the discerning and to the upright and as we explore the rest of this series we'll see that these three are doing almost the polar opposite of these three. Let's look first at the wise. The wise appears around 50 times and has similar parts in Psalms and Ecclesiastes. The wise are shown by their knowledge and adherence to the wisdom of God. They understand the moral code and they follow it. And the wise has a co-star called discerning and they have similar roles and they're often found together side by side. And in discerning's 14 appearances, they're cast as someone prepared to listen, to evaluate, to reflect on decisions and to choose the way that is right. They listen to the wise. They learn from them and they benefit greatly as a result. And our last character is the upright. An upright makes most of their money from their work in Psalms, but they have significant roles in Proverbs too. In their 20 or so appearances... In Proverbs, upright is depicted as favoured by God for their strong stance for what is right. They avoid evil and they cling to what is good. As we look at these three together, we'll see them avoiding the seductive traps of the simple. We'll see them show discretion and judgement 
when faced with challenging situations. We'll see them deal judiciously and generously with their money. They'll show faithfulness and respect in relationships and they'll promote peace and be active in civic service. They'll teach the younger people wise ways and they'll be rewarded for this. It's a much happier assessment for this group but their actions require more discipline and more humility. So here we have them, the six main characters that we'll find throughout our series on Proverbs. Three on one side and three on the other. Throughout Proverbs we'll see many of life's challenges and we'll see the contrasted inclinations and responses and repercussions through the lens of these key characters. The rest of this team, the rest of the team for this series are going to take these issues and as they teach us and as they walk us through these issues, we're going to see how these issues play out through the lives of these people. And so it's against that backdrop that we set out in our exploration of this part of God's word. And this morning, we must, time to, uh, we must take time to ask ourselves a very personal question. We must ask, who am I most like? When we look at these six characters, who am I most like? Quite a confronting question. Maybe you're not up for it at the moment. Maybe an easier question is, the person next to you, who are they most like? much easier but it's not going to be of much help to us is it so let's come back to the real question which of these characters are your actions most like which one is your heart most like if you're anything like me then the habits of your youth tend to follow you into your adult life and some of them are hard to kick Who's a sucker for a new car, even if the wise thing to do is to keep hold of the current one? Or for a good argument, even if leaving the matter until tempers have died down is the more discerning thing to do? Or some junk food for your body when it's screaming out for fruit and vegetables? Who finds themselves mocking others who seem weaker in a particular field? Who finds pride in comparing themselves to someone else and forgetting that it's God who judges each of us? Who values a good gossip session more than the reputation of being a trusted friend? Who expects too much of other people but lowers the bar on their own expectations? You see, at the heart of the matter is the fact that we are born and often shaped to be simple, Foolish, mocking, arrogant, self-seeking and proud. And we all have the tendency, no matter how much we work at it, to revert back to this type of behaviour. And the Bible calls it sin and we all do it. In the end, I think that Proverbs invites us to ask two big questions of ourselves. The first one is to what end? Proverbs ask time and time again, to what end? To what end are we living our lives? 
How do we see our purpose for our lives? Has God made a call on your life to live for him? Have you accepted that? And what's my response to how I live the life that I've been given? There are quite a few of us here who've experienced the grief of a life cut short this week. It's made us stop and reflect. And it's made me ask this question over and over. To what end? How will I live this life I've been given? Will I follow the simple fool or the mocker? Or will I live as the wise, the discerning and the upright? Ultimately, will I live for myself or will I live for Jesus and others? And the second question is linked to the first, but in some ways it's a much harder and more challenging question. And the question is, at what cost? At what cost will I not be foolish, simple or a mocker? At what cost will I deny myself? At what cost will I pursue wisdom and discernment? At what cost will I live an upright life? At what cost will I live for Jesus? Will I play the short game and live for pleasure and the easy way? Or will I play the long game and pay the price now and reap the benefits later? At what cost will I pursue my answer to the first question, to what end? Will I focus on the immediate, like these guys, or the ultimate, like these? Proverbs 8 and Matthew chapter 5 and 6 and 7 are critical to how we answer these questions. Let's turn to Proverbs 8 and listen to its call. Proverbs 8, chapter 1 says this, uh, verse 1 says this. Does not wisdom call out? Does not understanding raise her voice? At the highest point along the way where the paths meet, she takes her stand. Beside the gate leading into the city, at the entrance, she cries aloud, aloud, To you, O people, I call out. I raise my voice to all mankind. You who are simple, gain prudence. You who are foolish, Set your hearts on it. Listen, for I have trustworthy things to say. I open my lips to speak what is right. My mouth speaks what is true, for my lips detest wickedness. All the words of my mouth are just. None of them is crooked or perverse. To the discerning, all of them are right. They are upright to those who have found knowledge. Choose my instruction instead of silver. Knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is more precious than rubies and nothing you desire can compare to her. And dropping down to verse 32. Now then, my children, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Listen to my instruction and be wise. Do not disregard it. Blessed are those who listen to me, watching daily at my doors, waiting at my doorway. For those who find me, find life and receive favour from the Lord. But those who fail to find me harm themselves. All who hate me love death. Listen to those words. To what end? All those who find me find life and receive favour from the Lord. At what cost? Wisdom is more precious than rubies and nothing you desire 
can compare with her. We don't have time this morning to read through all of chapters 5 to 7 of Matthew, but I commend it to you today. It recounts Jesus' famous Sermon on the Mount and at the end of that talk, Jesus says these words. And by the way, there's quite a parallel between the topics in the Proverbs and what Jesus was speaking about in that sermon. And he says this, Therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine, he's just spoken for some length of time on just about every key topic in life. Anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built the house on a rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. And in contrast, but anyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built their house on a sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. Here's how Jesus defined the difference between the wise and the foolish. It didn't come down to education levels or financial success. It didn't come down to your job title or your age, your hair colour or your lack of it or the other things that we might associate with wisdom and foolishness. For Jesus, it came down to two things. To those who simply follow his teaching that do what he says, to those who seek wisdom and to those who don't. If you're here this morning and you don't feel like your life is built on much of a foundation, maybe you've felt like a fool for many years, maybe you feel unworthy or dirty or not good enough. In this place, you should be in good company. If you're new to faith or you're just trying to find out a little bit more about it, can I share with you eight of my favourite words in all of Scripture? On the surface, they might seem like a strange set of words to be the favourites. But I'll explain why. Sorry, I'll explain why they are. These are the eight words. And that is what some of you were. Like all words, these need to be understood in their context. So let's have a look at where we find these words. The Apostle Paul was writing a very, on a very serious matter to the church at Corinth. He was correcting them and he was using some very straight talking. He wrote these stern words to them in 1 Corinthians 6. The very fact that you have lawsuits among you means you have been completely defeated already. Why not rather be wronged? Why not rather be cheated? Instead, you yourselves cheat and do wrong and you do this to your brothers and sisters. Or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. It's a pretty serious list, isn't it? 
It sounds like the work of the simple, the fool, the mocker and some of their co-stars that we saw at the start of Proverbs. In fact, it looks a bit like some of us. Sometimes, sometimes our minds are drawn to the big hitters in that list, the ones that we're not. Paul used this list and many others in his other letters, but there's probably something in there that every one of us has struggled with at some stage in our lives. And he says those that live like that will not inherit the kingdom of God. And that's why those eight words are precious to me. And that is what some of you were. They're made precious by the fact that the Bible is real about who we are and how we act. It's real about the consequences of my sin and my destination. But it's made all the more precious by the words that follow immediately after it. But you are washed. You are sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. And I want to leave us today with that thought that it's only because of the justification of Jesus that we can have any standing whatsoever before a holy God. He saved us and our salvation comes only from Him. None of us who try to live out the actions of the wise, the discerning and the upright could ever manage that in our own strength. And even if there was some way that we could mimic it, we would still not be right before God. So hear this today. This series is not about how to place some habits in life that will help life turn out better for you. It's not about how to give you a happier family or a better super fun balance or a more respected name in the community. These things may happen if you follow God's wisdom. But this series is about pointing out us to the source of this wisdom and it's about accepting what Jesus has done and what he alone can do in our lives through the Holy Spirit to allow us to live lives of wisdom, discernment and that are upright. Can I urge us all this morning to be wise and to put our hope in the finished work of Jesus on the cross, to rely on him alone for our standing before God and can we seek to be wise and to put his words into practice. For those who find me find life and receive favour from the Lord. I'm really looking forward to the rest of this series and I hope you can join us each week and I do hope that you can get into a life group and dig deeper into this topic. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I just want to thank you that you love us. I thank you that your word is full of wisdom. I thank you that it's full of power. I thank you that you gave us your Holy Spirit at the point that you saved us. And it's only through that spirit that we have any chance of living lives that honour you 
that are wise, that are discerning and that are upright. Let us not be fooled this morning by our own strength or by the gifts and talents that you've given us. But let us rely wholly on the fact that all that we have has come from you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.